Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Practically Happy, the podcast that helps you apply the science of well-being to your everyday life. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, a master of applied positive psychology here to help you access some strategies for lasting happiness and fulfillment. Each week, we'll dive deep into the latest research and insights from the world of positive psychology. But this isn't just another academic lecture. Practically Happy is about getting practical. I will share how you might apply these findings to your everyday life so you can experience real and tangible improvements in your happiness. As a wife and mom of three, I understand the challenges of juggling a busy family life while striving for personal well-being. That's why I'll also be sharing my own stories and experiences along the way. Because let's face it, life can get messy. Through it all, we can find and create intentional moments of joy. So whether you're looking for ways to boost your mood, improve your relationships, or simply add more enjoyment to your daily routines, Practically Happy is your guide to a practical, happy life. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to Practically Happy, episode number 274. What happens in Vegas might change your life. This, of course, is a little riff on the slogan, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That was an advertising campaign created by the city of Las Vegas, actually, in 2003, which is meant to tell you that whatever is going on on your vacation, whether you're gambling or going to shows or meeting up with people or getting married at the Elvis Chapel, that maybe you don't want people at home to know about it and that they'll keep that little secret tidy for you. What I'm talking about today is not Las Vegas, the sin city that we know of in central Nevada. Today, I'm talking about the vagus nerve. This is the longest nerve in your body, and I want to get into why it matters, why I think it's really important for you to know about it, to be conscious of it, and to remember that what's happening in Vegas inside your body actually matters a lot. Before I dive into all things Vegas, let's take a moment to breathe together. I wanna to introduce you to a simple kind of breathing called cyclical breathing. In a recent study, it was shown to be even more effective than other types of breathing techniques in slowing your heart rate and calming your nervous system. It's very simple as well. The way that you cyclically breathe is breathe in through your nose until your lungs are full, and then take a little bit more of a breath through your nose. Let's do that now. And then you slowly breathe out through your mouth all the way until your lungs are empty.
Let's do that again. Inhale through your nose. When your lungs are full, breathe in a little bit more. And then breathe out. One more time. A little more. And then release. You can use this technique anytime that you need to just calm down and take a deep breath. Try a cyclical breath. It will help bring your body back to baseline. Being able to bring your body back down to baseline is what happens in Vegas. Like I mentioned in the intro, the vagus nerve is the longest nerve in your body. The word vagus comes from the Latin word wandering. And vagabond, vague, vagrant, they all come from this same root. The vagus nerve is known as the wandering nerve because it is so long and has multiple branches that break away from its stem at different parts of your body. The nerve originates in the brainstem at the base of your neck, and then it wanders down through your body, innervating or touching, connecting with your heart, most of your major organs, and your digestive system. So it ends in your bowel. In about 1921, a German physiologist discovered that if you stimulated this nerve in particular, it caused a reduction in your heart rate because it triggered the release of a substance that at the time he called vagus substance, just this random term. The vagus substance was later identified as acetylcholine, and that became the first neurotransmitter that was identified by scientists, an actual chemical released through the nervous system that affects and causes changes in our physiology. This vagus stuff, this acetylcholine or the neurotransmitter that is secreted by our vagus nerve is like a literal tranquilizer that you can self-administer by taking some deep breaths with long exhales like the ones that we did earlier in the episode. In this way, you can consciously tap into your vagus nerve to create inner calm almost on demand. As I've been thinking about and learning about the vagus nerve, the best metaphor that comes to mind for me is that the vagus nerve is like pressing on the brakes. When you learn to drive a car, of course, you learn the gas and the brake. And you learn if you want to accelerate, if you want more power, more drive, more energy in the car, you want to go faster, you press on that accelerator. You press on the gas and you can build up all of that energy and go fast. Imagine if you learned how to press on the gas pedal and no one ever taught you about the brake. Having the power and the ability to speed up and go fast without the ability to slow down with intention would be incredibly dangerous. I remember listening to a book years ago and I've tried to search for it and I can't find it. So if you happen to know what book this is that mentions it, I'm in my head, it's a Malcolm Gladwell book. I've read all of his, and so it, it seems like it would fit in with his journalistic style. There was a story about a, a 911 call where the driver of a car is accelerating uh, in California, I believe, calls 911 and says the brake is not working on the car. They're actively driving and like dodging other cars on the highway and can't get the brake to work and ends up 
the call ends up ending because of a tragic car accident that happens and the people in the car don't make it. And then it goes into this really intense research around how could that be possible for you to be pressing on the brake and have it not work and a brake going out. I think they looked at the car and said the brake actually did function. So what was going on here? And as a result of this tragic accident, a car company did a study where they had a a trained race car driver go full acceleration on a track where they simultaneously were pressing the gas, you know, pedal to the metal and pressing the brake. And even in that condition, if the brake was functional, the car would slow to a stop, even with the acceleration on. The brake could overpower the acceleration in that condition. So the ultimately what the investigators decided was that this driver must have been accidentally pressing on the acceleration and assuming that it was the brake and in that moment of sort of panic didn't realize that they could take their foot off to to test maybe another pedal but in that frantic mode had just slammed down on the accelerator instead of the brake causing this accident this is so tragic and so sad it was really memorable for me and as i look it up i was trying to find the book and it turns out that thousands of car accidents are caused every year by someone accidentally pressing on the acceleration instead of the brake. Today, I wanna talk about our emotional brake pedal, our physiological and emotional brake pedal, which is vagus, it's our vagus nerve. The vagus nerve's primary job is to slow us down. It uses neurotransmitters like the aforementioned acetylcholine to lower our heart rate and our blood pressure. When we have high anxiety, racing heart, sweaty palms, dry mouth, upset stomach, the shakiness that comes with being really nervous or really worried, those are all symptoms that happen because of the disengagement of our vagus nerve. Those are things that happen with our foot on the gas and no foot on the brake. When we engage with the vagus nerve with intention, when we intentionally press our foot on that brake pedal or engage the vagus nerve through some of the activities that I'm going to share with you later on in the episode, we'll be able to intentionally slow things down in order to get our arms wrapped around them a little bit more, both physically and emotionally. It can be really helpful to slow things down when we're experiencing anxiety or stress because of something physical. For example, I worked out this morning and in the workout that we did, it was four minutes of work. We were doing gymnastic toes to bar and burpee jumps. So it's like, you know, a lot of jumping, a lot of swinging on the bar, really high heart rate. And then we had a minute of rest in between each of our rounds. During that minute of rest, I engaged my vagus nerve because I now am aware of it. I'm conscious of it and I know how to tap into it. Whenever I need to slow things down, I can do that with my mind and with my breathing and with my body slowing things down in between each of these sets. Now, I wasn't stressed out because of something emotional or unexpected happening. My body was experiencing the high heart rate of exercise, and it was something I was choosing to do. It was a positive stress situation, and still being able to lower that with intention in between rounds improved my ability to perform. Whether you're feeling that sort of stress or acceleration before your a job interview before a big presentation before one of your kids trying out for something or whether you experience it un un, unintentionally uninvited 
because of something unexpected that happens, because of a diagnosis, because of being caught in traffic, because of a phone call, because of, you know, finding out bad news, anything, you know, all of the things that can cause us to feel that physiological flush, the fight or flight response, that is our sympathetic nervous system saying something's wrong here. We've got to, you know, figure it out. Being aware of our ability to tap the brakes internally, to, to engage that vagus nerve, makes all the difference. When your vagus nerve is engaged, it's called vagal tone. Having a healthy vagal tone shows that you have the ability to have your vagus nerve engage and disengage in a meaningful way with intention. Healthy vagal tone is indicated when you have a little bit of an increase in your heart rate when you inhale and a decrease when you exhale. If you do a long, slow exhale, that will stimulate your vagus nerve and slow your heart rate and blood pressure. The cyclical breathing that we did today, that you know, inhale, sip a little bit more of air, and then the long, slow exhale, that is an example of a practice that engages your vagus nerve. Breathing like that is like pressing on the brakes in your nervous system. A high vagal tone or a good vagal tone is linked to physical and psychological well-being. Where, on the other hand, having a low vagal tone or when your vagus nerve isn't well engaged or doesn't engage, you don't engage it very often, that's linked to higher inflammation, negative moods, higher depression, loneliness, heart attacks, all the things that you would assume would happen if you were stressed out all the time and you had your foot on the acceleration rather than being able to also take a break, recognize there's a way to slow down. You don't only have to speed up. You don't only have to move forward quickly. You can also slow down, literally slow slow down, slow down your breathing, slow down your heart rate, lower your blood pressure, bring things back to a lower baseline where your body gets a little bit of that break. One of the best and most simple and accessible ways to press on your break to stimulate vagal nerve activity and engagement is through mindfulness and meditation. Both mindfulness and meditation, they can be used interchangeably here, are practices that emphasize relaxation and deep breathing. They're generally practices of slowing down, of finding stillness. And of course, then you have the ability then to get in touch with this part of yourself that is your literal brake pedal, your you know physiological brake pedal inside your body. Here are some of the things that happen in your body when you slow down and breathe deeply and relax through mindfulness and meditation. I've mentioned a couple times how the activation of your vagus nerve slows down your heart rate. That dampening of what would be the opposite or the fight or flight response, when you are able to put the brakes on that, it presents to your body from the inside out a sense of calm and well-being. Sometimes we start the calm in our head and sometimes we start it in our body. And when you slow down your breathing, you're engaging your brain to say, okay, I'm going to take some deep breaths now. And your brain activates that vagus nerve down to your heart, slows down your heart rate, and then your slower heart rate transmits back up to your brain the sense that you're okay, that things are going to be okay. So this cycle of intentionally engaging your vagus nerve then creates positive feedback for your emotional regulation. The vagus nerve connects both your brain and your body. And so you start with the intention. It 
goes down, it presses down on that brake, which then, you know, innervates all these different sections of your body. And as you reach those, they then transmit positive mood, less stress, being able to process things a little bit better back up to your brain. In addition to the instant physiological changes that stimulation of the vagus nerve creates, there's also a longer term enhancement of your immune function. The activation of the vagus nerve during mindfulness and meditation can create this relaxation that supports immune system function, leading to better immunity. And because of the way the vagus nerve interacts with our digestive system, it can improve our digestion and also help us feel calm in our tummies. So sometimes when things feel off for me, they start like the feeling of not okay starts in my belly. And that's my gut telling me, which then feeds up to my brain, "Uh uh-oh, I don't feel great about this. If I can use that sense to put a break on, slow down, and start to feel things a little bit more deeply within my own body and trust that, my brain and my body is connected. And the messages go both ways. My body can tell my brain things that it didn't know just the way that my brain can communicate down to my body that it's time to calm down. After a break from today's sponsor, we're going to go into a little bit more detail about mindfulness and how you can begin a practice if you don't have one already. But first, let's talk about food. Today's episode is sponsored by Factor Meals. Have you seen these? I've talked about several different types of meal planning and meal kits over the years on this show, and Factor Meals is so unique and so wonderful because it doesn't only send you food to prepare yourself. It sends you food already prepared, chefs created, ready-to-eat meals that you keep in the refrigerator until you're ready to pop them in the microwave and enjoy restaurant-quality meals ready to eat whenever you are. I just tried Factor Meals for the first time. I'd been curious for a long time. I love food. I'm super interested in food. I even like cooking, but sometimes, particularly at lunchtime, I want to eat something hearty and nutritious and protein-packed, and I just can't figure out the right rhythm. I've got my dinners down pretty well, but Factor Meals is the perfect solution for delicious, nutritious, and very quick meals at lunchtime. Factor meals are super flexible. You can order as few as six or as many as 18 or more meals per week. For our family, it worked perfectly to get about 12. Keep them in the fridge, and then whether it's me, my husband, my teenager, or someone else needing a delicious, nutritious, protein-packed meal at lunchtime, we can heat it up and eat it in the moment. There's no prep needed, no cooking, no chopping, no cleaning. I've tried several different ones. I've loved all of them. My favorite was this pepper jack infused chicken that had like a cauliflower rice next to it. It was 44 grams of protein, 650 calories, and absolutely delicious. It felt like I was eating a restaurant quality meal in the convenience of my kitchen at 1 p.m. in the afternoon for a fraction of the cost. Although I'm in love with the lunches, they also have snacks and smoothies, dinners, all sorts of meals that you can try and you can mix and match for your boxes each week. They also offer veggie, calorie smart, vegan, and keto meals. I have a great offer for you. You can go online and explore what might work best for you and give it a try. Head to factormeals.com slash practically50 and use the code practically50 to get 50% off. 
That's code PRACTICALLY50 at factormeals.com slash PRACTICALLY50 to get 50% off. Give it a try and let me know what you think. Meditation and mindfulness is one of those ideas that keeps coming up for me. I started meditating myself regularly probably three or four years ago. And I've mentioned on the podcast before that I love the Headspace app as a way to get started because of their guided meditations and ease of use. I noticed in my graduate school program last year how often we talked about mindfulness as one of the really impactful keys to overall well-being over the lifespan. And it continues to be an idea that pops up in my everyday life. In fact, I was talking to a coaching client recently about the way that meditation and mindfulness as a practice can help reset our nervous systems down to a place where our natural speed isn't 100 miles an hour, but that we can learn to slow it down and you know tap on that brake to have our regular pace of our life meet a more healthy and well-balanced pace. There are some myths and misconceptions about meditation that I think prevent people from trying it. In fact, this client was saying, I don't really get it. I don't really know how to completely empty my head. So I'm going to share a few of these myths with you today. The first one is that meditation is about emptying your mind completely. That's not true. While some forms of meditation might involve clearing your mind of thoughts, not all of them do. And most meditation practices, at least the ones that I prefer, focus on observing your thoughts with non-judgment or simply redirecting your attention to a particular point of focus like your breathing. In this show, in my Mindful Moments segment, I'm often giving you cues as to what to pay attention to, whether it's the airflow coming in and out of your lungs, whether it's imagining a light in your chest. In a loving-kindness meditation, you're guided to think about particular people or communities and send your love out to them. So it's less of a empty your mind completely and often more of a direct your mind with intention. One of the things that I love about that, about trying to quiet my mind and then noticing thoughts that come up, is when I'm focused on my breathing and I'm slowing everything down in the background, all of the chatter, my regular like to-do list and what's going on and maybe things that are at the top of my mind, settle down. And new things that have maybe been a little bit in the background or that are a little more quiet have space to bubble up to the surface. And so I'm happy that my mind isn't completely clear or empty, but that it's quiet enough for things that don't normally have a place to kind of weasel their way up into my consciousness are able to arise that way. Another myth is that you need to sit in a specific posture, that you you know just need to sit cross-legged on a mat with chimes in the background and be wearing all white. While it is helpful to be comfortable and an upright posture can be helpful so you don't fall asleep, you can meditate sitting in a chair, lying down, standing, walking. I often find myself meditating with intention in the car if I'm driving. I love a walking meditation. So there are lots of different ways to find a comfortable position for the mindfulness practice itself. Another myth is that meditation is strictly religious, which is not true. Meditation has roots in a lot of different religious traditions, and it's called different things in different cultures and different religious homes. It can be called pondering. It can be called contemplation. It can be called meditation or mindfulness specifically. There are lots of different secular forms of meditation that exist focusing solely on the mental and physical benefits 
of the stillness. Another myth is that meditation is only for certain types of people, when the truth is this is a practice that benefits everyone, regardless of age, gender, or cultural background. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There are some personality types that are probably more likely to find it comfortable to sit still for a long period of time. But all different types of people can benefit from meditation. And in fact, it's something that is really helpful to teach, particularly to younger kiddos, to help them learn to regulate their emotions through this way. Here's another myth. You need a lot of time to meditate. If you don't sit still for 30 minutes, you know, eyes closed in a dark room, then it's not worthwhile. There are benefits to longer meditation sessions for sure. And even just 30 seconds of conscious breathing can stimulate your vagus nerve. Pressing on that brake, you don't have to slam it on and hold it down for a long time. Just tapping it will help you slow down. Adding meditation or mindfulness into your regular routine with consistency will help continually bring your nervous system down to a baseline where you receive the physiological benefits of engaging with that nerve. Here's another myth on the opposite side of the coin that meditation is a quick fix for all of your problems. Unfortunately, that's also not true. It's not a magic solution that instantly solves all of your problems. It's a skill that takes time and patience and practice to develop some proficiency in. Also, just beginning at whatever point you are, wherever you are, whoever you are, with as much or little time as you have, can benefit you in little degrees. So while it might not fix your whole problem, your whole life, it will instantly engage with your physiology in a way that helps you slow things down and feel a little bit better. Now, the final myth that I'll share relates to that, that slowing things down and feeling a little bit better may feel like you're trying to escape from reality or avoid dealing with your difficult emotions. When in truth, mindfulness is about developing awareness and not judgment so that you can accept the present moment however it is, whether it includes pleasant emotions, unpleasant emotions, disappointments, surprises, joys, getting quiet, getting still taking some deep breaths, and simply being aware of what is going on is a step not out of the moment, but rather deeper into the moment. Now that I've shared and cleared up some myths and misconceptions, I'd like to share a few specific ways that meditation and its resulting engagement of the vagus nerve can physiologically change your body. The first is reduced stress response. This is a direct relationship of meditation activating the vagus nerve, which is responsible for the body's relaxation response. This is decreased production of stress hormones, lower heart rate, reduced blood pressure, and decreased muscle tension. Number two is improved immune function. I talked about this a little bit. Some studies have suggested that regular mindfulness practices can enhance immune function by increasing the activity of immune cells and reducing markers of inflammation. 
So this can lead to a stronger immune system and a better ability to fight off infections or diseases. Number three is more balanced brain activity. Meditation has been found to influence brainwave patterns, promoting this state of relaxation and mental clarity. One thing that I loved, a study that I read, showed that our regular everyday uh, thoughts tend to be on the surface of our brain. And when we meditate, the same level of activity is present, but it shifts from being on the outside corner of thinking, processing part of our brain to the inside, which is more related to our attention, emotional regulation, and self-awareness. It also reduces the areas of the brain, the activity in the areas of the brain that are associated with stress and anxiety. So all of those things can be seen on an MRI of someone meditating, that that activity shifts from these peripheral thoughts and ideas to more of a centered self-awareness, attention, and emotional regulation. Of course, then this leads to number four, which is that meditation and mindfulness can lead to enhanced emotional well-being. Lots of studies show the relationship between mindfulness and a decreased depression and anxiety because of that regulation of our emotions and promoting a positive outlook on life. Some studies have even shown that through mindfulness and meditation, the actual physical structure of the brain changes where the regions of your brain associated with emotional regulation and self-awareness actually grow. They get bigger because of the practice. Number five, this is a big one for me, meditation and mindfulness can improve your sleep. There are huge correlations between better sleep quality and reduced insomnia symptoms with regular mindfulness and meditation. You can fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and have more restful sleep overall with a regular mindfulness practice and engaging with that vagus nerve. The last two are also helpful for me. Number one is lowered pain perception. Meditation can actually modulate your perception of pain. It alters how the brain processes pain signals. So you have a higher tolerance for difficulty, emotional and physical pain. And then seven is improved cardiovascular health, which would make sense because of how direct the correlation is between your vagus nerve stimulation and your heart. Mindfulness is the pressing on the break of the vagus nerve, which then directly engages to your heart, lowering your blood pressure, lowering your heart rate, reducing your risk of heart disease, and helping your heart rate variability, where your heart rate can go high and then come down quickly. Like I was talking about with my exercise today, I could see my heart rate change with the intentional breathing that I was doing in between rounds of exercise. My heart rate would be up you know, 175, 185. And then in that one minute of deep breathing, I could bring it down to about 100 before I got going on the next round. So clearly huge, profound effects on our physiology, our relaxation, our stress reduction, and emotional well-being. This is what happens in Vegas. All of these incredible physiological, emotional, and mental benefits come from the direct and intentional practice of engaging our vagus nerve through mindfulness, meditation, breathing practices, relaxation. It starts with the decision, the the cognition of, okay, I'm going to slow this down. I'm going to take some deep breaths. It may translate into some specific, I would love to have a regular practice where my body gets good at the regulation. You, You know, when you start driving and you're kind of like jerky on the 
you know, speed up really fast and then you slow down really fast and that kind of back and forth. I, I'm like sitting in my seat doing this movement. I remember I learned to drive a stick shift as well, which was a little more tricky. And so I was just driving around jerky jerky for a long time before I practiced. And as I practiced, I could get in the rhythm of having smooth transitions of speeding up and slowing down speeding up and slowing down and being able to kind of move in and out of what was needed for the situation I was in. Imagine being able to do that emotionally, having the ability because of practice to move into a a higher stress situation and out of it with ease and with smoothness in those transitions. Imagine if when you felt yourself amping up, you, you know, we all know that feeling, right? Of like, you can feel your face start to get red and like your muscles start to clench a little bit and it could be anger, it could be sadness, it could be frustration. It's anything that's like causing that uh feeling. If you could recognize that and say, I need to, I need to press on the brakes here. And knowing that there is a break, there's a break for your emotions. That break is your vagus nerve. And one of the best ways to engage with it is through some deep breaths and some intentional mindfulness and meditation. I'm going to finish out today's episode with seven different specific ways that you can get started. Learning to tap on your brakes. To get started is a simple mindfulness meditation. This simply involves focusing your attention on the present moment. Typically, you start with observing your breath, your bodily sensations. I like to use my senses and think to myself, what do I see? What can I hear? What do I smell, taste, and feel in my environment? That's a grounding technique that just brings your mind and your attention to the present moment. This is one of the most studied forms of meditation, and it's been shown to have numerous benefits. We can all do this, right? Just allow our attention to come into right this moment and what we are experiencing now. My therapist and I talk about often how in the moment, things are rarely wrong. When we, you know, again, let's use a driving metaphor of when we get, when we allow our thoughts to be in a car that gets up onto the freeway and starts going faster down the track of like the future and what's going to happen and the dominoes and all the things, the outcomes that we, that we don't know actually, but we can project all the things that may go wrong. Then we sort of lose it all. A lot of things feel like they're wrong out there. Right now, in the moment, when we bring it back and we press on that brake and we, you know, slow everything down, things are rarely as wrong as they seem. The second is a guided meditation. And this is where apps can be really helpful or going to a meditation, a sound bath, a class, most yoga studios or wellness centers have guided meditations that you can attend. Apps are so great. The Headspace app, I think, is about $70 a year. And it has an endless amount of different types of meditations, different voices, different uh, time frames. I like to start with like two to five minutes of a guided meditation, and then you can choose different programs. I loved an appreciation meditation series that I did last year. There's lots of different options, and I know some pe- some people also like the Calm app. A guided meditation involves following the instructions of the teacher or the audio recording. What we did earlier in the episode and the meditations that I share here on the podcast are guided meditations. It's instructors 
guiding you through a meditation, giving you cues of what to think about, what to do, how to focus your attention. And this can be a really helpful place to begin. Another option is a body scan meditation. In a body scan, you systematically focus your attention on different parts of your body. Often you start with your feet, with your toes, and you think about the awareness of your toes, kind of move them around a little bit, and then you move up to maybe your feet and and do ankle circles, and then move up, maybe shake your knees a little bit. You You move your attention through your body from your toes all the way up to the top of your head. And this is more of a practice on focusing your attention in a specific way rather than letting your mind just go wherever it wants you're giving it something to think about a particular mindful practice of bringing your attention to something in particular that you're in charge of the fourth type is a loving kindness meditation and i shared a loving kindness meditation on the podcast a few weeks ago this type of meditation is really beautiful it involves cultivating feelings of compassion and kindness toward yourself and others. Generally, it involves repeating a phrase or a mantra that evokes feelings of love and well-being, and loving-kindness meditations have been researched and have evidence of showing that they can enhance your overall mood, your social connection, and your positive emotions. The fifth type are simple breathing exercises. On the podcast, I've shared a few different ones. Today, we did cyclical breathing at the beginning. There's also box breathing where you breathe in for a count of four, you hold for a count of four, you breathe out for a count of four, and then you hold for a count of four. That's a type of breathing. You imagine it's a box because you've got the same counts, you know, at the up, the hold, the down, and the hold. There's also a staggered box breathing where you breathe in for a count of four and hold, but then you breathe out for longer, a count of five, six, or seven. And that extended exhale in research shows that that will stimulate the vagus nerve even further than a uh, regular count of four. So you can, if it's easier to just think about box breathing and counting the same number each time, but you can also intentionally breathe out a little bit longer than you breathe in. And that's like tapping on that break. The sixth type of meditation or mindfulness that's easy and accessible to start with is a progressive muscle relaxation. This is one that I love to use before I go to bed. The Headspace app has some guided muscle relaxation um, preps that it does in some of the sleep casts. And it's similar to the body scan, except for in this case, you're actually tightening your muscles and then releasing them area of the body by area of the body so you start with your toes and your feet and you flex you know really extend your feet and then you relax them and then you move on to your calf muscles you isolate really tightening those calf muscles and then releasing them and then really tightening up your thighs your quads and then releasing them and then really tightening your glutes and releasing and you go throughout your body flexing and and contracting and then releasing your muscles When I do this, I really notice how often parts of my body are contracted without me realizing it, particularly in my face and my shoulders. Oftentimes, we'll naturally sort of assume a contracted position when we're concentrating or when we're thinking hard or when we're worried about something. And when you get to that part of your body and you realize, oh, it's already contracted, all I have to do now is relax. Ooh, it feels so good. It's a really great way to prepare for a good night's sleep. And finally, yoga which is not a strict form of meditation but because it incorporates mindfulness 
breathing awareness and physical postures that can promote relaxation and mental focus, practicing yoga regularly can really help prepare the mind and body for other types of meditation and in and of itself can be a vagus nerve stimulator. So starting with short sessions of any of these types of mindfulness will teach you to start recognizing the brake pedal. And you can gradually increase the duration as you become more comfortable with the practices. And just like anything, when you're practicing, consistency is key. So aim to meditate daily or a few times a week, even just for a few minutes in the beginning. So you begin to have a natural pattern of tapping that break. And as you start to become more aware of your body, of your breath, of your mind, you'll be able to start sensing when the accelerator is is on inside your body and you'll know right where to go to hit that vagus nerve, to tap on that brake, to slow everything down back to a place where you're able to make more conscious and deliberate and intentional decisions and also feel better and healthier all along the way. How is that for what happens in Vegas might change your life? I hope that you've enjoyed learning about the vagus nerve. Had you heard of it before? Is it something that you were familiar with? Did you know how easy it is to learn to tap on the brakes in your own body in order to achieve relaxation, calm, and the peace that we're all hoping for in our lives? I would love to invite you again to practice one of these forms of mindfulness or meditation and to tell me about it. I'd love to hear about it. Also, I'm available and taking new clients right now for my Clarity Coaching program. If you feel like you could use someone riding alongside you for a little while in this journey of life to help you establish some new routines, to discover what your values and strengths are, to help you make some better decisions and just tweak things in small ways for big impact, that's something I would love to help you with. You can find all of the information about my coaching packages at livefreecreative.co and even sign up for a free 30-minute introduction call where we can see if it's a good fit. You can get a feel for what coaching is about and have a conversation with me. And it's a great time, even if you have one or two questions, to just hop on and chat about them. This is also a good time for me to remind you that if you're interested in joining me in Istanbul and Cappadocia, Turkey this summer, July 18th through 25th, there are still a handful of spots available for this incredible women's trip. Join a group of other like-minded adventurous women to explore a new place and to learn a little bit more about yourself in the process. The link to learn more about the turkey trip is in the show notes, and you can also find it at livefreecreative.co. I hope that you have a wonderful week and that learning about your vagus nerve will help you be a little bit more practically happy. Chat with you next time. Bye-bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.